Thank you for listening to the Writers Guild of Alberta podcasts. The following episode was recorded in 2020 as part of the WGA's online reading series, sponsored by the Rosé Foundation. The audio quality may differ from recording to recording. We want to thank the authors and hosts for their permission to share these audio-only episodes with you, and thank the Rosé Foundation again for their generous support. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to tonight's online reading series, presented by the Writers Guild of Alberta and sponsored by the Rosé Foundation. It is my pleasure tonight to welcome and introduce Dorothy Bentley, and I will be, uh, my name is Barbara Garnett, and I will be leading the Q&A later on in this session. Tonight we have Dorothy with us. A little bit about Dorothy here. Dorothy Bentley has been writing poetry sporadically since elementary school, but only recently began submitting it to contests, literary magazines, and publishers. Summer North Coming, published by Fitzhenry and Whiteside in September 2019, was a winner in the Regional Municipality of Wood Buffalo Annual Words in Motion Contest. Fitzhenry and Whiteside published the sequel, Winter North Coming, in the same hardcover edition. More of her poetry has appeared in Northwood, Literary Journal of the North, Ambrosia Literary Review, and elsewhere, plus forthcoming in the Mothering Anthology to be released from Inanna Press. It's my pleasure to welcome Dorothy here tonight, and uh, we are excited to have you read uh, your book this evening, Dorothy. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for welcoming me, and I'm excited to be here tonight. I've already showed you some shots of this lovely book. It's of course been an ambition of mine ever since My I was pleasure to welcome kindergarten. Dorothy here. Oh, ever since I was in kindergarten, I've loved picture books, so it's been wonderful to have um, my poems published in this book. I'm going to read it to you actually from a PowerPoint so that you can better enjoy the illustrations. But before I do, just a little bit about why I wrote it. So there was a contest advertised in Fort McMurray, as um, our host Barbary mentioned, called the Wheels in Motion Poetry Contest. So I thought about how the poems were going to be posted inside buses and also on bus shelters. And I thought, oh, I, re I remember when I moved to this area and how much I did not like moving and how much I didn't like the area. And so I imagined what it was like to stand at those bus shelters in 20 below weather, and look forward to springtime. And I thought, what are all the fun things that people could do in Fort McMurray? And not only myself, but I thought about my children and the fun things that they had done. So I'll just click on a different view here and you will see the Summer North coming PowerPoint. So follow along with me. And before I begin reading, I want you to think about what are some of the fun things that you enjoy doing in the summertime? Some of the things that I learned to enjoy are spotting wildflowers everywhere, spotting deer and other wildlife, ducks and loons, and swimming in a river. So when you spot those things, pay attention. And there is a surprise in the book as well. So think to yourself, what is true and what is impossible, but also kind of fun. So watch for those things. Summer North coming. Oh, I should mention too, the illustrator is Jessica Bartram and she lives in Ottawa, Ontario. I grew up in, in Ontario actually and moved to this area when I was a teenager. 
So that's the end of Summer North Coming, but Winter North Coming is coming up next. But before I read that part, I just wanted to tell you a couple of things. And that is that I actually didn't even own a parka till I moved to Northern Alberta. So I think this is a real parka that is super warm and about minus 30. But if you have a tube or a scarf handy, you might want to put that on now because it's going to get very cold in the north. And there's a cool structure that I'd never been inside when I was young, but with my kids growing up, I let them build this cool shelter outside. It's called a quiz Quincy. I'd never heard of it before I moved here. And I actually let my kids have a little candle inside and it warmed it up for them. So think about that as I read the winter part. Also, again, look for things that are true and things that are fictitious. And think about what fun things you like to do in the winter time. I'd love it if some of you sent me pictures, drawings of things that you like to do outside. There's a picture of the inside back of the book, myself and Jessica Bartram, the illustrator. My website is dorothybentley.net. Be sure and stop by my website and find my email address there so you can email your pictures to me. I'd love to hear from you. Also think about questions that you would like to ask me. I'm going to flip back to the other view now so we can have a chat. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the story. Do any of you have any questions for me? Do you have any questions, yes. Marbury? We have um, one comment from um, the YouTube channel there. Um, Glenda says that it's a brilliant presentation. So we're so happy that um, people are enjoying it. Thank you so much for the feedback. Thank you. And, um, no, for sure. Yeah, thank you so much, Dorothy, for that wonderful reading of Summer North Coming, Winter North Coming. It's, um, yeah, and for explaining what a Quincy is, it was really fun to learn that. Oh, I forgot to show you something, too. Something I didn't have before I moved up north is a pair of moccasins. My son actually bought me these, and as you can see, they have some pretty beading on them. So apparently, the different beading means different, means um, the different of people who live up in the north. I just thought I'd mention that. The story mentions mukluks, which are more the knee-high type boots, which I also owned, but I wore them so much that I wore them out. And they are the best thing to wear when it is very cold outside. Also, if you like writing poetry, feel free. Yeah. To write little poems and send them to me as well. No, oh, that's great. Yeah, thanks so much for inviting uh, readers and um, writers to uh, to send um, emails. It's a great way to connect for sure. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's really um, fun to learn how um, when you move to Alberta, then um, the parka came in handy, <laughs> and the moccasins and sort of um, warmer warmer clothes for sure. <laughs> So, no, that's great. And 
Wonderful. So we do have a question here um, from Glenda. Um, she is asking, how did you get started? Well, how did I get started writing? Well, as I mentioned before, when I was actually in kindergarten, I remember sitting on the floor in the, pub, in the school library, just looking at picture book after picture book, and just loving what I saw. And I think just following the, the um, assignments in school, but also always having a journal or a notebook. So you might see behind me right here, I have a stack of journals. So I like to, it's funny, I, I don't have two that are alike. And I actually wrote Summer North Coming. And this blue one, <laughs> stories matter. And yeah, so I think always having paper to write on, <laughs> always having a notebook and journals around. Ever since I was a little kid, I used to like to have my own paper and notebook and journals and just jot down thoughts and impressions. Um, but as was mentioned in the introduction, it wasn't, it was only recently that I began submitting my work. Um, it does take some bravery when you write, kind of put it out there and have other people read your work. I remember it was quite an emotional uh, journey for myself when I took a creative, creative writing class at a local college. And that really helped to bolster my my confidence because it gave me an opportunity to read my work out loud. Also joining writers groups is another great way to kind of get a start because a good group will have people in it who are further along the journey than you and also people that you can help along the way. So it works out great for everyone that way. As far as being published, I found the best way, well, I actually, I said that I didn't start sending in my work until recently, but I guess I wasn't really considering the writing I had done in high school. I did have a couple little things published in the high school newspaper. And then I approached the local newspaper in Fort McMurray and they published quite a lot of nonfiction, but just like personal columns. And I used to go around and interview people. And that was great fun because one of the things I did actually was interview um, a person with a dog sled, and so that turned up in the book, as well as it's mentioned just briefly, but on the dog sled, the people go to check a trap. So that was one of the things I did as a freelance writer, and as a result, I have this beaver pelt. So that was kind of a neat experience, and we actually were friends with this trapper for some time until he moved away. So that's something that still happens in the north. Um, oh, that's wonderful. That was quite a <laughs> quite a segue from how did you get started. I think if you like to write, you will just write. And then, interestingly, I didn't know that this poem would, or these poems, well, I didn't know the first poem would become a children's book. I just wrote it, and I didn't even gear it towards children. It just kind of came out sounding that way. And after it was one of the winners of the contest, I thought, hmm, this might make a good kids book. So actually I sent it to three publishers and the first two rejected it. And the third one phoned me. But um, it took nine months for that call, but also many years of not having a picture book. So yeah, it's a pretty cool experience. 
I like to tell people that it's like winning the lottery, but without money. So <laughs> I'm not sure. So it's not really something people get into to get rich. I think writing poetry, especially, we do it because we love it. And it's a form of expression. No, that's wonderful. Thanks so much for sharing about that. And like Dorothy, how you mentioned that you included previous experiences, um, like um, the dog sledding um, into your children's book. And so it's really fun how to learn how um, experiences in life do and can be incorporated into stories, which can be enjoyed um, not only by younger audiences, but really anyone of any age. So, no, that's wonderful. And um, yeah, I guess um, I know you mentioned a little bit um, that you did some writing in high school. Um, mm -hmm. Did you like books and drawing when you were a kid? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely. I actually love to draw. And I did mention the fact that as a writer, I needed to have an abundance of paper around. <laughs> so oftentimes, if I didn't have enough paper around, um, I would find, I would try to find old magazines or old books or anything that had just a clear page that I could use. I, I was quite young in grade one, the first grade, I believe. And I found one of my bro older brother's textbooks. And I thought, ooh, when I turned the page, ooh, there's a nice clean sheet of paper. And I drew a lovely picture on it of the Easter bunny and baskets and things. And but that didn't go over too well at school. I have to have a visit to the principal's office about that. <laughs> yes, so I, I did used to draw. I remember um, going to show and tell as well. I think it was in the second or third grade. And a lot of the kids were showing off their school Christmas presents. But I remember I just took a drawing and I was super proud of it because I received a new box of crayons that Christmas. And it actually had this color, this beautiful kind of teal color. Pacific blue or turquoise, and I drew a picture with a lot of that color in it. So, yeah, I used to draw a lot, took art classes, and but um, it was only, it's only, it has only been recently um, that I've decided to go back to school and study English literature. Wow. So, it's great fun being able to do that as someone who knows that this is my love and my passion and it's completely applicable to what I want to do with the rest of my life. No, that's wonderful. Thanks so much. And yeah, that's exciting too to be learning more about um writing and um, mm. learn more techniques. That, that's great. Yeah. And um the yeah glad to hear the difficult oh, thing with that is that I look back on other things I've written and think, oh <laughs> terrible. But I guess that's a pretty common experience for writers. Things that we wrote three or five or 10 years ago, we think they're rubbish now that we're continuing to learn and grow. No, it is, um, yeah, all part of the learning process, probably, I assume. Mm -hmm. um, that's, um, one can look back, I guess, and maybe see how much one has grown in one's writing. So that can be encouraging, I hope. <laughs> um, yeah, we have, Another question here um, as well from Glenda, and she's asking, how did you get started with freelance writing? Hmm. Well, the, a cool tip that I read quite a while ago about freelance writing is that anywhere you go, pick up little 
newsletters and magazines and just very small publications and begin to submit to them. And alternatively, another thing to do is to actually start your own newsletter or publication for any group that you're involved in. Or else, if you are part of something like Might have a brief pause there. Can you hear us there, Dorothy? Curious helps. There you are there. <laughs> Just begin to submit to small publications, volunteer to publish a newsletter or magazine. Usually any organization I'm involved in, I start to wonder, hmm, do they have a, a newsletter or a magazine? If not, maybe I can start one. It's a great way to get experience and also to meet other like-minded people. Mm -hmm. I think that's helpful. <laughs> no, for sure. Thanks so much for sharing that. And Glenda sounds that's awesome. So. <laughs> Yeah, thanks so much. Um, and I guess um, last one more question here, kind of, um, um, what did you like to read as a child? Ooh, pretty much anything I got my hands on, to be <laughs> honest. I was very fortunate to have a mother who loved to read and who took me to the library. It's not every Saturday. I spent many, many Saturdays at the library with my mother and she let me take home armloads of books. <laughs> and then as I started going to school and then um, grew too old to go with my mother, I guess, I re recall many summers when my sisters and I would go to the library together and also borrow armloads of books. I think we had reading competitions in the summer. Often we would all read a book a day, which sounds awful. But in between, we were forced to weed the garden and go for lots of um, road trips around southern Ontario with my dad and uh, yeah so lots of reads. What did I like to read? Ah of course I remember Beverly Cleary very clearly. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, the Ramona the Pest and that whole line. Um, we, I remember Mr. Muggs from, from reading um, Bonnets. I don't ask, the crazy thing is I don't remember a lot of stuff I read other than Ramona that was just yeah and um trying to remember a pivotal book of course was are you there god it's me Margaret that was you know passed around girl to girl at the catholic school I attended in southern Ontario uh, basically I fortunately had a lot of freedom to read whatever I wanted to read so whatever caught my fancy a lot of fiction a lot of novels it was only more, I guess, I think as an adult that I learned to really enjoy and appreciate nonfiction and creative nonfiction. I think that's been a growing trend, I think, um, where writers, I think, infuse a lot more of the fiction writing techniques into their creative nonfiction, which makes it so much more enjoyable to read. Now, what do I like to read? Oh, well, doing university studies as an adult has really expanded my reading taste. And I've enjoyed studying a lot of classic literature, 
So I do have a, <laughs> a few novels that I'm working on as well. And one of them I think sounds like an old British guy is writing it simply because I've read so many novels written in 18th, 19th century England. <laughs> but I like to read fun contemporary books as well. Yeah. How about you put in, put in the notes what you're reading? Oh, for sure, yeah, that's right. Now we um, feel free, um, everyone who's um, here with us tonight, uh, do feel free to share in the chat uh, what you enjoy reading um, as a kid or now um, as uh, more grown-ups. Um, yeah, it's great. And your summers actually sound really fun, uh, Dorothy. Um, were you read and were outside in the garden and um, went around Ontario? It sounds really, really fun time <laughs> and really great um, way to nurture a love for literature um, that lasts a lifetime. So that's that's really amazing. That's, that's super yeah. awesome. I remember you had sent me some questions before and you had asked how I decided to work with the illustrator. Jessica. Yes. So what actually happened is I only sent the poem to Fitz Henry and Whiteside and they were the ones responsible for and preferred to find an illustrator. However, they did, I did ask if I could suggest a few artists that I liked, and so I did that, but they didn't decide to go, they decided not to go with any of them, and they found Jessica. Apparently her father is an illustrator as well, although I'm not familiar with his work, but. So the process, I'll describe to you the process of how it kind of happened. It was about, a year and a half after Fitzhenry and Whiteside um, that I signed the contract with them that they put me in touch with the illustrator and actually by that time she had already um, created sketches for the wow. book. So I was really excited to work with her and had I had the opportunity to look at the sketches and then make a few suggestions but mostly it's her work of art so it's, it's kind of unfortunate that we aren't in the same place and we couldn't do this together because I, when I look at the illustrations, I'm blown away by the artistry in them. She has a degree in fine arts, I believe, and also in graphic arts, or sorry, maybe graphic arts and literature, but they're all paintings in the book. So each one is a work of art. And wow. I, sent, I sent her heaps and heaps of photographs of the area, that, mm -hmm. of my family and people that we know and just like vegetation and animals, types of trees, scenes at the river, all kinds of things. And she put a lot of the, the things I sent her into the illustration. So that was a really neat process. But I didn't actually get to see it until it was complete. So. No, and it, no it's come together really nicely. Um, the text and the images, they work so well together, really bring the story to life. So. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture book. Thank you. <laughs> For sure, yeah. And Glenda is um, just sharing that she likes uh, reading mysteries. Oh, that's cool. Good. Mm -hmm. Actually, I'm not very good at writing them, but I, I have enjoyed reading them and watching them on in shows as well. <laughs> no, for sure. That's great. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I guess, um, yeah. Um, so you mentioned that um, you grew up in Ontario and now you live in Alberta. Uh, I'm wondering how has living in two provinces, Ontario and now Alberta, influenced and given inspiration for what you write? I think because I grew up somewhere else and came here, even though I was, I hated it at first, I did 
grow to love it. And I think that took kind of slowing down. I noticed when I lived in Ontario, I was much more of a city girl because I lived sort of Hamilton, Stony Creek area. Yeah. And we traveled a fair bit, but it was mostly city to city. We did some camping and stuff like that in between. But generally, I was more of a city girl, I would say, in Ontario. But moving here, it wasn't a city when I moved here <laughs> over 30 years ago. And there's just the, the nature around the area, trees and the sky and everything. It's just so much more imposing. It's, it almost imposes itself upon you. Mm -hmm. I think something that I've talked about with other people as well is that if you're always fighting nature, then you can never enjoy it or appreciate it. But I found that learning how to kind of work with nature and, you know, dress properly so you can get outside and ski and enjoy things in the winter just really helped me to appreciate and enjoy the area much more. No, that's wonderful. That's awesome. Yeah, nature, um, definitely something that can inspire writing. Um, and it's featured really well in, in your stories. That's wonderful. And Glenda here is sharing that um, you have a really beautiful combination of poems and illustrations. So I know it's, it's beautiful work for sure. <laughs> and um, I guess it kind of leads to the next question. Do you have a favorite time and place to write or a routine for writing? Oh, well, this is, it's very interesting that you asked me that. I find the big thing for me is having energy to write, kind of having a clear mind and having kind of mental space as well as space around me. I can write just about anywhere. <laughs> I do prefer journals, as I should okay. like to do those. But I have found that my phone is really, really handy. And if I go walking on the trails, I will take my phone. And I found out that I could speak into my microphone and have it write in my notes. So I've actually written a fair number of poems that way. And I actually don't tell anybody this, but I've written driving by speaking into my microphone, <laughs> kind of composing a rough draft of a poem. But um, a course that I took part in a while ago, it was, um, it required that we all record our writing time when we wrote, sort of the conditions, how long we wrote for things that inspired us. And um, besides nature, I find if whatever I'm reading kind of feeds into my writing as well. Um, however, a lot of times in the morning, I like to sit in a comfy chair with coffee or tea and my notebook and kind of read a variety of different things first, fiction, nonfiction, inspirational work, and that will feed into my own writing. Oh, that sounds like a wonderful way to start the day in the morning and to be inspired mm -hmm. for, for writing. Um, so that's great. And um, yeah, like how you mentioned um, journals as well. Mm -hmm and um, taking phone and doing a recording or recording while you go out for a walk. And that's a great way to capture those ideas for sure. So mm -hmm. oh, that's wonderful. And um, yeah, Glenda's saying great tips and also saying you survived Fort McMurray for 30 years. Nature's inspiring and awesome. <laughs> yeah, we actually live in a lovely neighborhood and we had a great group of um, other families that our kids kind of were friends with and that we hung out with. So. Some really great community here over the years as well. Of course, the Fort McMurray fire changed that in that a lot of people moved away then. And, mm -hmm. and also with the flood recently. So 
there seems to be a turnover of people, but I find that because people, when they move here, often don't have a lot of relatives, that they're more open to friendships. And so mm -hmm. we have a fairly close-knit community here. Um, yeah, after the wildfire, or during the wildfire, my husband and I actually um, found a place down south, just outside of Calgary, close to Okotoks. So that's our spot where we kind of go back and forth. So I say that I'm from Alberta now, not Fort McMurray necessarily. We divide our time between the Calgary area and Fort McMurray, although I am here in Fort Mac right now. Mm -hmm. That's fun. Alberta is a beautiful province, so mm -hmm. oh, that's wonderful. Awesome. Um, yeah, and I guess, um, what do you find most rewarding and fun about writing and publishing a story for children? Well, the best thing about it I have found is actually reading it to children in person. Mm -hmm. and it's been so fun. Usually with a picture book, I don't know about you, but when I read a picture book with a child, I just, I love being able to have them point at things. I would ask them to point out the wildlife. I would say, you know, let me like point to any animals if you see any animals or any birds. And so they would have a lot of fun pointing out the deer and the loons and different things that they see in the story. So I think that was a really fun thing that Jessica did was hide wildlife on, in every picture. Mm -hmm. and my, my personal favorite is the mother bear going into her den in the fall. And then she comes out in the spring with her cubs. So that's a fun thing for kids to discover. So I think the interaction with kids um, is a huge part of enjoying reading picture books. And I had a great time, of course, reading out loud to my kids as they were growing up. And some mm -hmm. of the funnest books that I remember reading to them are ones like um, Janberry. I don't know if you're familiar with that one, but it, it's a really fun rhyming one. But it doesn't have characters in it. The same as mine. I, I read a review of my book that said it doesn't have any named characters, but actually some of our favorite books didn't have them either, like Good Night Moon <laughs> and um, Runaway Bunny and Janberry. Those are three that stand out in my mind that I think I read about a million times. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fun. Yeah, reward. Um, reading to children can be very rewarding mm -hmm. and it's fun to see what they notice and point to. I'm sure it's been a good way for you to kind of see what, um, um, yeah, what they respond to and what mm -hmm. um, they, yeah, what they find interesting. So, definitely, yeah, this one is awesome. Yeah, yeah I um, love also working with children to um, to write stories, to write poetry. So, yeah, I enjoy doing school visits and readings in public or in public places, <laughs> libraries yeah. and stores. That's a lot of fun to do as well. Mm -hmm. no, that's fantastic. That's great. So, I guess, uh, yeah, were there any challenges you encountered in the process of writing and publishing Summer North Coming, Winter North Coming, and how did you overcome them? Hmm. That's a good question. I think the hardest, the most difficult thing for me was just to be patient. Because as a writer who sends things away, it's just a really strange <laughs> feeling to have things kind of out there it's almost like looking for homes for things that you love yes <laughs> yeah so there I have a lot of things out there kind of floating around or making their rounds to publishers and a lot of times I receive rejection letters so that is actually super challenging too um, 
this book was rejected by Red Deer Press, and then it was Sharon Fitzhenry who phoned me from Fitzhenry and Whiteside. And it just turned out that the children's book editor was actually on holidays, and Sharon Fitzhenry, the owner of the company, happened to be reading through the slush pile. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what it. I don't know if it would have been published if the other, if the um, the book editor had read it because I don't know her, I don't know her tastes or anything. But fortunately, fortunately, Sharon read it and liked it. So, um, so that's I think that a huge challenge is just to find a home, to find a publisher who likes your work, and then waiting for it to be published. Twenty. I'm like, what year was it? What year was the wildfire? I think it was 2015. Um, or was it 2016? Yeah, see, it, it takes years, literally. Mm -hmm. Nine months before I had the first phone call and then several years afterwards before it was actually in print. So, yeah, it's a huge waiting game. That's so worth it. Not for sure. Not we do a lot of it. Yeah, no, I was just going to mention that, like, um, how you mentioned that um, it's like finding just the right home for the works, and that, that's very true. Um, and when it finds just the right home, then it's, it's really rewarding, too. Um, yeah, and I, you were mentioning a little bit about um, the time it took. Um, would you um, be able to talk a little bit more about that? Um, so you submitted um, your story in 2016, is that right? And then the illustrations um, started a little bit later? I submitted it in 2015, I believe, and then okay. I received the phone call in 2016. Okay. And so, and it was published in 2019. Mm -hmm. so 2019. It took them about a year and a half to find a public to find an illustrator. Okay. That they want to, yeah. So it was quite a process. Not for sure, yeah. But it, it's it's a beautiful book, and just finding just the right illustrator to bring the story to life um, is um, worth the wait. So we're happy to mm -hmm. to have the, the beautiful book that you had there is wonderful and it was beautiful. Awesome. Thanks, Glenda is saying um, it's a score uh, far better for Fitzhenry and Whiteside. Oh, thank you. <laughs> no, for sure. No, that's wonderful. And uh, yeah, um, is there anything? Oh, sorry. I'm so thrilled to work with them and Hopefully they'll pick up some more of my stories and yeah, I'd love For to sure. have more of these babies. <laughs> yeah, and that'll be wonderful. Um, yeah, is there anything that came as a surprise or that you did not expect in writing and publishing a children's book? I think in the past when I try to write for children, it doesn't always come out right. So interestingly, I didn't write this poem for children. Of course, the sequel, Winter North Coming, came much more easily because it was based completely on the first one as far as organization of the poem and everything. Um, but it surprised me that this poem became a children's book, I think, when I look back over the whole thing, since I didn't set out to write specifically for children. But perhaps there's a lesson in that for me and for, for others as well. I found it fun that it had a, a two or three or maybe for more difficult words as well to keep it interesting and perhaps intriguing and, and challenging. Another surprise to me, which I loved, were the two whimsical illustrations that Jessica Bartram came up with in the center of each book. 
And um, in the summer the coming one, she has the Bright Awake Nightly illustration as the birds, the bat and the bird find. Yes. Which, that was a wonderful surprise to me. It's so whimsical and fun. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah, and then she also has a similar type of illustration in the winter one. And actually, when I first received the illustration sketches, she hadn't included the northern lights, at least not in a way that was visible to me because they were pencil sketches. But when I, so I asked her, please, please, please include northern lights because they're such a big part of living in the north and being able to see them. And so this illustration quite surprised and thrilled me as well. Mm -hmm. Northern lights and they're called sky pictures. So that was one of the things I asked the children to pay attention or watch out for and make note of. I haven't personally camped outside, but my kids love camping and I believe at least one of them have, or two of them have winter camped. No, that's wonderful. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, is there anything else that you would like to share that maybe haven't covered or that you'd like to add to anything or? Well, I hope that you, I hope that everyone enjoyed the story, the two poems made into the one book and yeah, stay in touch. Find me on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, visit my website. My email address is on there. So if you'd like to shoot me an email and comment on anything or ask a question, feel free. For sure. Yeah. And Glenda is also saying uh, beautiful books. Thanks. Yes. Thanks so much, Glenda, for, for those comments there. That's really wonderful. And uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure to have you read tonight, Dorothy, and to learn uh, more about um, your book and uh, to see the beautiful illustrations that um, Jessica created for your book to go with the text. And mm -hmm. um, it just all reads together so nicely. Such a wonderful story. And so um so much about nature there is just really great so thank you thank you so much oh, for sure. hopefully okay. bye everyone and, um yeah and so um um really encourage everyone to um follow along um with dorothy's writing and her career uh, and so feel free to follow along um dorothy on her websites as well as um twitter and facebook and Dorothy's website is dorothybentley.net. And um, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us tonight. And thank you again to uh, the Writers Guild of Alberta for um, presenting the online reading series, as well as to the Rose Foundation for sponsoring the online reading series. Uh, we're really thankful for those. And uh, please join um, us again online uh, this Thursday, July 23rd at 7 p.m for the next um, online reading series uh, with um, Donald Lee, author of The Band Director's Lessons About Life. Thank you so much, everyone, and have a good night. Awesome. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.